John chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, blind from birth. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And John 14, starting at verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has any faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Please be seated. I thank you for that uh, offering video that gives some report on things that are going in our church. And I'm excited to see that my friend Bill Finch is going to join us as our group on Thursday, uh, the Seasoned Fellowship. That's for anyone over 18. No, no. That's for those of us who wished we were 18. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that. And so to the seniors and those in the Seasoned Fellowship, uh, I think it'll be a very exciting time as uh, we gather together and fellowship together. How about the new stage look? You think this looks good? Eh? Thank you, Brian, who uh, had the idea and said, uh, I like it. And you haven't even seen it in its full blossom yet. We're still in the process of, of fine-tuning it, and I think it will be wonderful and help us um, enjoy our worship time together. And, and be able to proceed with, uh, with some new technology. I remember reading a story not too long ago, which I found fascinating. It's a story of a, of a home, a mom and a dad and two boys, and that the dad had a tradition that every Saturday, he would make sure that he cleaned out the fridge. And so this one Saturday, he was cleaning out his fridge, and there was still a, a bowl of tortellini left. And so he pulled it out knowing that his youngest son, who was six, really liked tortellini. So he gave it to him, and the young boy took it to the table. And of course, his older brother, who was eight, was a little bit disappointed that he didn't get any tortellini. And so there became a bit of a row between the two of them, and, and that the young one should split the tortellini with his older brother. After several unsuccessful attempts, the father thought that he might try a theological approach, hoping to convince his younger son to share his portion with his older son. And he said, son, what would Jesus do in this situation? The youngest boy immediately replied, oh, dad, 
he'd just make more. <laughs> oh, Dad, he would just make more. Out of the mouths of young ones come a much deeper theology than we think. Their faith, their knowledge is so simple, but yet so profound. I started a series last week, for those of you who are away up at Breakforth, on healing. And last week I spoke about hope for healing. And this week I want to continue with the mindset of healing. It's interesting to note, I had a young pastor friend of mine who I mentored a number of years ago in my church in Osler, and I've been following from time to time. He has his sermons posted, and uh, he, he often will put them on Facebook. But I follow him from time to time because I have such admiration for how God has fulfilled his passion. He came to me as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old young man, and all he wanted to do was be able to pastor and preach God's word. And I recognized it the minute I met him in my office, that there was something special about him. He didn't have any Bible college. He was 18 years old and had already two children. But he was a, he was a wonderful young man, and I said, Well, Jeff, why don't you just come and work with me for a couple of years, and I'll try to mentor you as best I can. And he did for two years. He was with us. And he became a wonderful young pastor. Sometimes so much so that it was annoying. He would follow me everywhere. I'm sure he would go in the bathroom with me. He was so, so desirous to learn. And I count it even today the greatest privilege perhaps of my life. He now pastors in Estevan, Saskatchewan. And I follow his messages, and one recent one that came out fascinated me. And he took two chairs, and he put one down here, and he put one beside it. And he said, this is the chair of the world's perception of things, and this is the chair of the Holy Spirit's perception of things. And he said, quite often we find ourselves constantly sitting in this chair and we're engulfed with the world's perceptions. Even when we read the Bible, he says, if we read the Bible sitting in this chair, we will often interpret it from the world's perception. But if we recognize that we are in Christ and we have been moved over to this chair, and when we read the scriptures, the perception of the Holy Spirit is present. I have to be honest with you, sometimes I think I find myself over here too much. Because over here, the world's perception, for me at least, is I need to be affirmed. I need, be, I need to be uh, uh, affirmed by people. And I think when we sit in this chair, that's common for us. But when we move over to the chair, which is rightfully ours in the resurrection of Christ, we seek the affirmation from God. 
We seek God's affirmation in our life. And his affirming, his affirming is much, much greater and more fulfilling than the world's perception. I started this series with fear and trepidation. It's not something that we often talk about in the church, or at least in some churches. But I'm more and more convinced, even after this week's study, that God wants to do something in our midst that, we, that may be much, much more than we expected. I want to clarify something that perhaps didn't get as clarified last week as it should have, and I, re I, I listened to my message again, and I realized that, like most people, when I use the word healing, the first thing that comes to their mind is physical healing. Because most of the stories that we speak about from the Bible often are relate to some sort of physical healing. We've listened to some last week, this week, and more again next week. But when I use the term healing, I use it what I believe in its most biblical sense. And that healing is all-encompassing. It is not just physical healing. But it is emotional healing, spiritual healing, mental healing. Healing from depression, healing from anxiety, healing from fears, healing from those things that bind us. I find that all in the word healing, and that's why I can say that in the cross, Jesus can heal any disease, no matter, no matter what it might be. But I take it in that global sense, and it's not just physical healing. I've come to the conclusion that our thinking often limits our options for healing. Today I want us to ponder the mindset that I have recognized in, these, in, in, in several stories of the Scripture. And I want to say the first thing in a healing mindset, that the mindset begins with believing. The mindset begins with believing. I have three stories from Matthew 9, and I want to return again to our story from last week, only from the book of Mark. Chapter 9, a portion of chapter 9, deals with three miracles. The first one is a young lady named Jairus, whose dad was a leader in the synagogue and had died. And when the crowd was gathered around Jesus, this leader came to Jesus and asked that she, he would have pity on his daughter and, and that she might live. In that same portion of Scripture, we have a, la a senior lady or a middle-life lady who has had a hemorrhage or bleeding problem for 12 years. And as the crowd began to move towards the house of the synagogue official, the lady who had had this hemorrhage went up and touched his robe. And she was healed. It goes on to talk about two blind men in the same, whether these all happened kind of simultaneously, but they're all in the same portion of Scripture. And these two blind men cried out, David, son of God, 
Can you help us? Well, you see, what does that have to do with a mindset of believing? Let me put it to you this way. Let me read with you just a few sentences that I think highlight my thoughts from Matthew chapter 9. Let us take the synagogue official first. Let us take the synagogue official first. While he was saying, Jesus saying these things to them, a synagogue official came up and bowed before him and said, My daughter has died, but come and lay your hand on him and she will be well. Now I want you to mentally underline that. Now come and lay your hand on her and she will be well. We go to the second story of this hemorrhaging lady. And the crowd is moving towards this home where this young girl has died and this hemorrhaging lady. Read verse 21. It says, She touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I just touch his garment, I will be healed. If I just touch his garment... I will be healed. Now look at the, the two blind men as we go down the road, and, and uh, we see when he entered the house, the blind man came up to him and, him and said, uh, the blind man came up, up to them, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? I suggest to you, church, that in this passage of Scripture, and if you go through the Gospel of John, the highlight of healing always was associated with the word believe. Now, I don't see believe in the synagogue official. I don't see it in a hemorrhaging woman. Or do I? But come and lay your hand on her, and she will be healed. If I could just touch his garment, I will be healed. Does that not just radiate belief? Now you say, well, oh, Pastor, wait, wait, Pastor, wait a minute here. Do you, do you not mean faith? Is that, is that what you're talking about? Because certainly in our passage, Jesus affirms that their healing came because of their faith. And so I'm going to leave it hanging there with you for a while as I deal with the, 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 uh, uh, the third or the fourth one that we studied last week, only I'm looking at it from the book of Mark as compared to last week we looked in John. And remember, this is the story of this young demonic-possessed boy who was thrown to the ground quite often and, 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 and abused physically and injured physically, and Jesus healed him. And John didn't give the detail that Mark did. Let me read from Mark. When they came back to the, to the disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing here? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute. 
Whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your, I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. And Jesus answered them. Listen to his immediate response. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And while they were bringing them to him, Jesus asked the Father, how long has this been with him? And he said, from childhood. And he said it would often throw him both into the fire and onto the ground to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on help us. And Jesus said, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible of him who believes, and he healed the boy. So I want to hang that with you as what I believe is one of the first ingredients or one of the first things that we need to, to constantly have in our mindset, and it is the mindset of belief. But the second one, a mindset of healing, reminds us that uh, a second point of healing in, in, uh, in, in a mindset must include our simple faith. It must include our simple faith. I've struggled with this all week. And I don't know about you, but I asked God clearly this week. As a matter of fact, I asked him with almost a weeping heart. Please, dear Jesus, don't let me lead our people astray on this topic. Do not let me err in the wrong direction. And I was struggling with faith and belief. Are they the same thing? Or is there a difference between the two? And I came to the conclusion through my study, there is a difference. There are two different Greek words. One for belief, one for faith. And because they are two different Greek words, I suggest they have two different meanings. So let me suggest to you what I found. I found this quote from commentaries as I was reading. The word believe belief is used in the sense of confidence about achieving something concrete. Belief is based on sound logic. A number of scholars suggest belief paves the way for the strengthening of our faith. Belief paves the way for the strengthening of our faith. Faith, on the other hand, indicates a stronger confidence to achieve greater goals. As has been mentioned, there is a general understanding that belief builds faith. In other words, you develop faith based on the belief of particular facts. 
Okay. That sounds kind of a bit like I'm, I'm sitting here instead of sitting over here. So I took two passages of Scripture about faith that I think demonstrate my point. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's a famous passage of Scripture for us evangelists. We love this passage. We have it all memorized. I think we sleep and go to bed with it at night. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man can boast. I asked myself many, many years ago as an evangelist, what was the gift in this verse? What was the gift? Well, I suggest to you, basically, it was two gifts in one. The first gift is that God gives you faith. Faith is not something natural. Faith is not something we are born with. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we are born in sin, and our tendency is to rebel. But then God comes along and gives us faith. And the second gift, of course, is salvation. Through grace. It's a gift from God. We are here rejoicing over the Lord's Supper. Why? Because of God's grace that he gave us through the gift of faith. Well, okay. What's the next one? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Another one of our favorite passages of Scripture. What is faith? Anybody know that passage? Faith is things hoped for but not yet seen. Faith is things hoped for, but yet not seen. So now let's take these two words again, belief and faith. What is belief? Belief is the evidence of things that have actually happened. Faith is things we're hoping for, but we have not yet seen. Am I making sense or am I getting you confused? It's extremely important to understand that belief ignites our faith. When we read the book of John, he never uses the word faith in his gospel. He uses the word believe. Jesus said, oh, you unbelieving generation. How long must I do these things that you understand who I am and what I can do? You see, I do believe, I do understand that, that my belief exercises my faith. Because I've seen God do miracles in this church. Some that you may never have seen. But he is. And the more I believe in those things, the stronger my faith becomes. Because they become actual. 
I was just told of a miracle this morning on my way in, and I won't say who it is or what it is, because I want it to be that person's testimony. But God healed him. I saw the evidence with my own eyes. I believe. And that strengthens my faith. That strengthens my faith. Oh, I could go on forever with those two alone. You can probably tell. But let me go on to the third one. The mindset we must have for healing is that the faith of others may be God's instrument to our healing. The faith of others may be God's instrument to our healing. That's not because we don't have enough faith. I get so annoyed when my wife had cancer. I had a number of people ask me, especially my friends from the Pentecostal you know, arm of the church, and I have a lot of them. When you're with Youth for Christ, you get all kinds. And when I shared with him my wife's faith, and we were praying that God would, would lay his hand upon her, and, and, and they would often say, is she healed yet? And I said, no, but we're well on the way. And they'd say, if you only had a little more faith. That is so annoying, because it is so unbiblical. It is so unbiblical. But do I believe in faith healing? Absolutely. But it does not have to come from my faith alone. It can come from those around me as they gather together in the power of the Holy Spirit and pray for whatever healing might look like. Now let me remind you, when I talk about healing, I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm talking about healing in its broadest context. Because you might have cancer. Trudy, Diagnosed with cancer. We pray every day when I go and see him, horse and I. We lay hands on her. We pray for her. But along with her cancer is many other things. Fear, not understanding, depression, anxiety, pain. So when I'm praying for Judy, I'm not declaring to God, this is what I want you to do. I'm saying, do your will. But you can heal whatever it is you want to heal. And I believe he has. Because I've seen anxiety leave Trudy. She's not as anxious anymore. You see, we think, well, that's just, you know, that's just, it's just jest. No, it's not. It's God working in our midst. I want to tell you there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. There are none. God is always working. And he sometimes will use others to help us. What about the paralytic that was layered down, laid down through the roof and Jesus healed? On whose faith? Those who carried him and struggled with him to get to the top of the roof and lay him down. Let me say something here to my senior friends because I'm getting there. I'm quite comfortable in the seasons group. When I talk about healing, I do not mean that God will give you a fountain of youth. 
That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. And we are going to age. And with our age will become deterioration of our bodies. And that deterioration of your body, my dear brother and sister who are in those circumstances, is because God is preparing for you to come and be his bride. And that's the only way you can be with him. There is no other way to be with Jesus till he comes again. Sorry to say, we have to die. And when we die, we're going to be like that little ball because we're going to be where Jesus is. And that's the only way we can get there. But Jesus can heal your pain. Jesus can heal your anxiety. Jesus can heal your depression. And Jesus can, according to his will, even at 95 years old, if it's according to his will, he can take and heal you completely. Can I hear an amen? Do you believe that? Notice what I'm saying? I'm not saying, do you have faith for that? I'm saying, do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Because it's written in here, concrete evidence. Fourthly, well, I'm getting carried away. Maybe I'm Pentecostal. Healing may be delayed to help us grow spiritually. Healing may be delayed to help us grow spiritually. Certainly that happened to our friend in our Bible reading today. 38 years he'd been sitting by the poolside, and he wasn't sunning himself. He was waiting for something to happen in this pool. And if he got to be the first one there, he would be healed. I was curious about that, because you know what? I, when I read that passage in all the, all the Gospels, there's no evidence in the Gospels or in that story that anyone who touched the water first was healed. There's no evidence of that. It's kind of like um, my wife and I, uh, one of her family, I can't remember what it was, who, who he was or who, who she was, but I remember when I was younger, he said, if you just go up to the Banff hot springs and sit in the sulfur pools, you will get well. See, I think that's what was happening around this pool because archaeologists have said there was a sulfur bed underneath that pool and the sulfur would heat up and rise up and bubble. And so the pool would have some little ripples in it. And so there was some sort of folklore, I believe, that went around. If you could just touch that first, you'd get healed. But there's no evidence that that happened. But there is evidence that Jesus healed. There is evidence that the great physician came into the picture. And he walked in there and he saw this man 38 years, 38 years this man was begging and pleading to be healed, hoping he could get somebody that could carry him. But the story is amazing because Jesus walked up to him and says, do you want to be healed? What was his response? Well, nobody can take me to the pool. He didn't believe. Do you want to be healed? And he started all he knew. But God's grace kicked in. God's grace kicked in. And he was healed. 
And the story goes on that he even got in a little bit of trouble because the, the, the religious leaders were not, not really happy about that event because it was, was a Sabbath event. Third, fourth, healing must may be delayed to help us grow. Finally, the primary purpose for God's miraculous healing touch is that Jesus will be glorified. That's the purpose of all healing. Maybe sounds a bit cruel, and if you look at from this perspective over here, you mean to say that Jesus isn't healing because he loves me? Because I'm special? I mean, what's going on? The Bible clearly says when you sit in this chair, any healing that is done by Jesus is to glorify God. That is the main purpose and no other purpose primarily. John calls it a sign. If you read the Gospel of John, every healing he would say, this is a sign that you might believe. i got to tell you, this has been a tough week. I've been so afraid of this message today, I can't tell you how afraid I've been. What if I'm wrong? What if this is me? And I tell you, it has scared me. And I've almost backed out four times. I rewrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote the message. And finally... It came out looking like this. I had no idea. But God affirmed to me this morning in my prayer time, you preach what I've shown you. You share what I've shown you. And I will be with you. And I can tell you right now, I sense he's been with me. I can tell you right now, the Holy Spirit has been here. And I'm so grateful that he corrected my lips and any thoughts that might be wrong. Because I want Jesus to be glorified. I want Jesus to be glorified. My conclusion before we do, do the communion. Oh, good, I'm even on time. John chapter 14. I want to read this for you. Because I think it's I think it's vitally important. Jesus is speaking about himself being one with the Father. And he says in John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, here we go. He who believes in me, the works that I do. He will do also. He will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to the Father and you're still here. My dear brothers and sisters, I do not believe that God is calling every one of us to be a healer. Certainly not the type that are on TV because I want nothing to do with them. 
But God has said that as his disciples, there's great things that we will be able to do to glorify the Father. I end where I began. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's what it's all about, folks. Because when you believe, your faith is ignited. Your faith is ignited. We have our brightly colored box. And it's here this week. And if you need any kind of healing in your life, emotional, physical, mental, anxiety, you lost your boyfriend. It matters not to me. Whatever you need healing for, let's get it in the box. Because we're going to pray for those next week. I'm going to ask those who are joining me for the Lord's Supper to come. And... Uh, as we prepare. I 